So, so um, humbly speaking, it's a song I wrote, and I did write it for this weekend, mainly for the conference in San Francisco, but I feel the, uh, the spirit is the same, the burden is the same, so, so the left one, uh, it's called Jubilee Jubilee, uh, based on him. 991, 991 in, um, in uh, the tune, and that is Jesus Saved. Jesus Saves is uh, actually a very famous um, old gospel song, and I think you would all know it by the time you sing it, so you just follow me if you can, huh? So they're all together, five verses. Now, um, uh, it, it's not quite easy to write a hymn, so... Um, so... Um, you can quite easily lose focus, and every hymn has to have a, a theme. That has, of course, have to have an underlying burden, and also it has to have some basis on scriptures, on the truth, or on certain certain passages um, in the Bible. Or there should be center on certain truth point. But anyway, here this is on Jubilee, and um, this song uh, all. Um, based on Leviticus 25, the interpretation of that. And I think I gave that message in uh, the recent um, training in the summer on the first message on Jubilee, and that's what this song is about. All right? So uh, the three things that Jubilee brought back, uh, that Jubilee uh, proclaims. Number one is every man going back to their lost possession, and that's God, of course, for us. And number two, every man being freed or released from bondage of slavery. And that is a picture of man being held under the slavery of sin and Satan. And then the third thing, of course, everyone would return to their own family. And that is a picture of coming back to the church. And that would be the really that full gospel uh, of Jubilee that was that was later preached by the Lord himself and by the apostles. So, uh, let, let's just try to sing this, okay? Okay, it goes like this. Hear the joyful trumpet sound, Jubilee, Jubilee, let the world of grace abound, Jubilee, Jubilee, Liberty is now proclaimed, from our bondage we are free, all lost properties reclaim, Jubilee, Jubilee. God is man's appointed chair, Jubilee, Jubilee, is our lot divinely fair. Jubilee, Jubilee, once we lived a life that's vain, now we're full with Christ's replete. What a portion we've regained, Jubilee, Jubilee. We have left captivity, Jubilee, Jubilee, Christ's redemption set us free jubilee jubilee gone our Satan world and sin 
From their slavery we've been free, with a new life we begin, jubilee, jubilee. All our roaming days are done, jubilee, jubilee. with God's people we are one, jubilee, jubilee. From a home we've always yearned, it is church, God's family. To our kinfolk we've returned, jubilee, jubilee. Echo now that awesome sound, jubilee, jubilee. Sanctify the year of renown. Jubilee, Jubilee, spread the news across the land. Go announce in ecstasy, God's salvation is at hand. Jubilee, Jubilee. Okay, okay, this time let's wake up, all right? Um, I think this kind of song needs a measure of happiness and, and uh, release. So um, you just cannot sing this with a long face. You cannot sing this uh, with a morose, um, you know, demeanor. You're supposed to be happy because it's jubilee, right? The word jubilant comes from jubilee. So um, tonight we're going to sing it in the whole, with the whole congregation, but I want to get you to become the choir first, okay? So... <laughs> Brothers, let's sing one, and this uh, this time let's sing just sing it just louder, happier, more release. And brothers, let's stand up and sing it, okay? Hear the joyful trumpet sound, jubilee, jubilee. Huh? Now you can hear it. Okay, all right. So I say I'm going to launch into it, the fellowship because the the. Um, we don't have a long time. We've got to have a hard stop at, uh, at 5 uh, because the uh, meeting, I'm, I'm sorry, 5.30, absolutely stop because the evening meeting starts at 7 and uh, you're supposed to be here before 7. So we need to give everyone enough time to eat something and so on. I really mean it. Uh, let's, let's all res re re um, decide to change a certain very, very bad habit, and that is to come to the meeting late. Um, and it's not just about coming to the meeting on time. It's actually about coming to the meeting early. And it's not even just about coming to the meeting early. It's about coming to the meeting with the release of the Spirit. Uh, on the way, uh, um, you know, we used to uh, sing and, and praise and on our way to the meeting, in the car, walking, whatever. So by the time we really hit our seat, we are really not just warm, we're hot. And so, so uh, this way, we not only start the meeting on time, we don't waste time. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you, a lot of our meeting today becomes a long, big drag because of the absence of the spirit, of the absence or the lack of exercise thereof. So our meetings, our meetings do not need to be like that in the churches, but we sort of perpetuate this very bad habit 
and it gets worse and worse and worse. Now, now, in some people's mind, they plan, let's say the meeting starts at 10, the plan is to be there at 10.10 in the head. It's 10.10. If I get there in 10.10, I'm okay, I'm on time. No, you should be there 10 before, 10 off, not 10.10, 10. 10 off. And imagine by, uh, um, uh, by uh, 10 off, uh, uh, say, say 50% of the saints are there, by 10 o'clock everybody's there, or 90% of the saints are there, that meeting can get going like this. And I'll tell you, um, the spirit is there, um, the, um, the, uh, especially if we have the Lord's table, we can just ascend and sing, and, and really, in a very short period of time, we can really arrive at the peak of the praise. And so, this is an all just a matter of habit, okay? This is not some deep mystical stuff. This is a matter of habit. And so um, those of you who have been to FTTA, you were supposed to be trained to have that habit. And so you did that in the training because you're required to. After the training, training you turn it all back and you, re you just go back to your old way that everyone does, and that is to be late. So, I challenge you, um, uh, working saints, you know, you, you're the sort of the backbone in the church life, that you would all make a change. Now tell me, 10 minutes, would that kill you? You know, to wake up early, there's a, there's a, there's a real deep cosmic secret. It's called going to bed early. People think, oh my, wow, how can these people wake up early? Da, 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 da. Let me tell you, they go, they go to bed early. And that 10 minutes will make it up in no time. See, that is the problem. So coming to the meetings early does not involve some big resolution, some big, you know, whatever it is. We just decide to do it, plan the thing Saturday night, be ready in the morning, even if we have two or three kids, and we can be there on time. And if we start the meeting on time, we can end the meeting on time, and happily so. So I like to just even put this on you and challenge you, go back to do this. How about that? Make a change, all right? You can change your church life if we all would do that. Now, today, uh, there's some questions given to uh, Brian. And uh, I look at them, there's just a few, not that many. But I think those um, questions are all quite on point. Now, um, before I came, I thought about what should we do. I know there's be a Q&A, but I felt that uh, I was thinking, because this morning I totally did not get into the outline. So I say maybe this afternoon I'll make it up and do the outline. Well, when I came and saw the uh, questions and so on, I feel, no, there is still a particular need for, for this group of saints, and that is, that's us. So um, these questions are, are, as I say, quite, quite uh, relevant to us, and, and actually in a... Um, in a way, in a very, very good way, it dovetails with the burden uh, for this weekend. Now, um, <clears throat> let me start with this, and that is 
After a while, uh, we, we meaning uh, the working saints, the, you know, by the way, we got rid of young adults. The word young kind of, it's, it's really people start thinking, am I young or not young? So we got, a, got rid of, uh, now to me, really, who are young adults? Young adults are, your, are some um, uh, junior, uh, 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 junior and senior in high school to me are young adults, okay? Uh, uh, college kids, they're young adults. I don't consider many of us sitting here young adults. You are simply adults. Please don't put the word young there and try to be juvenile, you know what I mean? Uh, try to as an excuse that, you know, I'm still young, I don't know what I'm doing. Wrong. You are an adult. As long as you're 18, you can vote you are an adult by legal definition. So, got rid of the young. And then adult, well, what's adult? Okay, so we use Brother Lee's word, it's better. It's called just working saints. Then you say, I'm not working. All right. Uh, you, <laughs> mothers, you are working, okay? In fact, I think you have one of the most noble profession on the earth, and that is to raise your children. I'm going to say something more about that. But, uh, so you're working saint. Uh, so we got rid of a very rigid uh, age bracket uh, definition, and uh, uh, we want to have this a little bit more inclusive and, and open. So um, if there are college uh, students sitting here, welcome. Um, so it's not just those brothers who are doing a job, full-timers, you're working, you're working saint, so welcome. Uh, if you are um, 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 uh, now 50 plus years old, uh, you're welcome. So, but still, having said all of that, when we pick up this burden for the so-called working saints some over 10 years ago now, there was a special burden. There was a special burden. And that burden is, as we look forward to the future of the Lord's recovery, we have to identify those brothers and sisters who would be really entrusted with the Lord's recovery, who would become the next generation to bear the burden of the Lord's recovery, who would be the next pillars, I use the word pillars, according to, the, to Revelation, uh, in the church life. So as we look at, at that, surely we're not, not looking at brothers uh, like myself, my age, or older. Not because we're useless, not because our, our days are over. No, I'm still praying to the Lord. You know, Marty, I don't know about your prayer. I pray to the Lord, Lord, give me another 20 years to serve you. So it's nothing to do with the old generation being out, they're useful, they're whatever. No. Each generation have their own particular function and usefulness. We very much need the older generation among us. I tell you, every local church is blessed to have some older saints. Experienced, faithful, uh, caring. Um, they would be the real shepherds. You know, we need a lot more shepherds, actually, in the church life. So far from uh, disposing of them, we actually need them, the older saints, very much. However, however, as far as the level of energy, as far as 
you know, in the, being in the prime of their age. Uh, as far as able to really bear many, many practical burdens in the church life, we cannot look to the older generation. We must look to a younger generation. Then we have some young people coming up. Well, they are cer certainly the future, but they are not the immediate future of the recovery. You know, children, high schoolers, uh, junior hires, high schoolers, even college age. Very important, very important uh, saints among us, but their usefulness is not quite immediate uh, in the sense of maintaining the testimony of the church. Now, in, the, in terms of going and preaching the gospel, contacting people, no, they can function now. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like in the tabernacle, you have the priests, and those priests would maintain that tabernacle. In other words, they maintain the Lord's testimony, the testimony of a church, of a local church. That is what I'm talking about. That burden should rightly and aptly fall on the shoulders of the working saints. For that reason, the working saints are key, too, too key, uh, to the going on of the Lord's recovery. So we have this kind of particular burden. And Brother Lee took the lead back in the 80s to give specific fellowship to these saints. And there's a book here that uh, everywhere we go, we promote. It's, a, it's one, of the bio, one of the books that I always keep with me. You know, I have some books that is always with me. This is one of them. It's called Messages Given to the Working Saints. Very, very, it's given in Taiwan, but it is very, very relevant, more than relevant for all of you. So pick one up and spend some time in it or even get into it together. Um, now, what I want to say first, uh, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, this afternoon, uh, echoing the burden that started this morning, is even for us who are in the church life, God's best, we're, we're, we're saved, we're, we're believers, we, we love the Lord, we do love the Lord, and we're in his church, um, we're in the recovery. Um, and all these are wonderful things, um, by his mercy and grace, we are uh, partaking of them. But I like to really say this. It is quite possible that while you are in the church life, you are in the Lord's recovery. Your life still may not have the highest meaning. So, what I'm trying to say is this, that even a good human life and a good church life is not our goal. 
is not our goal. Those are good goals. Those are nothing wrong. They're good, <clears throat> you know, to aspire to a proper human life, a good human, good marriage, good family. All these are actually very needed, especially in the society we're in today. So those are good. And I have a lot to say about that. Um, to raise up proper children, to educate them, to, you know, to be responsible, to, to, uh, to contribute to society um, as a proper and productive uh, person. All these things are good. They are even necessary. Then, uh, for us to be in the church life, to uh, enjoy the meetings, to um, uh, uh, participate in some service of the church and, and, and take care of you know, different needs in the church, those are very necessary. In fact, that's the kind of burden that we should be shouldering in our respective localities. But a burden like this weekend um, is even higher than that, is even greater than that. Friends, sisters, we're here not just to take care of our needs. These are our needs. We're here first and foremost to take care of God's needs. And to talk about the history of the recovery, to talk about all these things, is to talk about God's need, the Lord's need. And when we don't live day after day with that in view, even our Christian life, and may I say even our church life, after a while, could lose meaning. Now, it doesn't sound right. But experientially, that happens. That happens. You know, I see young people get married and have children and do all the things, you know. And then I look at other people, even unsafe people in the world, doing the same thing. What's the difference? It's not wrong. Don't, don't think I'm here condemning that. Absolutely not, right? I'm, I'm pro-family, okay? <laughs> but, saints, even that, as an end in itself, falls short of the Lord's need of the Lord's need. Then for us in the church life to have good service, to have good meetings, to have good this and that. And absolutely there's nothing wrong. That is marvelous. That's, that's wonderful. But just to have that, make that our goal still falls short fall short of something. I long to see 
a new generation, a, a next generation, a vast generation, if they are to take the Lord's recovery on to new heights, I said already, we're not here trying to be nostalgic to go back to some good old days. We're looking to the Lord to go to place, take us to places the recovery has not been before in the United States. In the kind of church life we have, in the strength of its testimony, in the growth and increase of the church, in the spread of the Lord's testimony, all of this has to do with the Lord taking the earth so that, so that he can return. All of this, all of this transcends just what would meet our need. I just want to leave that with you, brothers and sisters. I'm not here... Uh, putting some kind of burden on you and, 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 and so on and so forth. But I like to just say this up front so that even this weekend in the coming meetings and all the speaking, you would have that kind of a view. And this kind of existence requires a greater consecration, a deeper sacrifice. At the same time, the joy, the um, reward of this kind of life is much greater, much greater than the kind of joy you bring to yourself because you're satisfied, you know. Your needs are met. I mentioned John McCain this morning, right? John McCain this morning. So I'm not worshiping him. I'm not putting him on a pedestal. It's just because it is present, present news. And in this respect is relevant. And that is he represents, I, I would say, uh, a kind of an... Um, epitome, uh, at least in, in the U.S. context, um, a life that is uh, in uniform, number one, in uniform. You know, he was five years in prisoners of war camp in Vietnam, being tortured, uh, and um, uh, here's, a little, here's a little story, and um, and I just heard this because of, you know, he has several memorials, and he had one that is back in his church in Phoenix, Arizona, you know, a few days ago. And his uh, campaign manager actually did the eulogy and gave the story. It might be in one of his books, I, I don't know, you know, on his biography or something. I, I, I didn't read that. But he was there uh, with these men uh, uh, all, who were all shot down and caught and put into this place called Hanoi Hilton, which is really uh, the, the, uh, the place where they put all these 
captured flyers and aviators and, uh, and uh, uh, these Americans that they, they caught. And they, of course, they're, uh, as I said, they torture, they interrogate and do all kinds of things to them. And, um, and for two years, John McCain was put in solitary confinement in a 10 by 10 with nothing but a little hole in the ceiling. And uh, one day it was Christmas time, and, um, and by the way, he said that when he was, he was there, while he was there, I believe, in a, in, a, in a certain sense, he discovered his faith in God, and also he discovered uh, his love for this country in an enemy territory. That's how we found that. And so um, the interrogators were not that successful. They punished him by tying him back tightly on a, on a rope. And that is supposed to last from 4 p.m. to 9 a.m. the whole night. And then after everyone is gone, the guard that was there came in and untie his rope and let him free. And then before nine o'clock, he came back and tied him back up again. And so he knew, John McCain knew that this guy was helping him, you know. But they, he never talked, never talked. So that day he was in the yard or later in the yard out there. He ran into this man. And he asked this man, why did you do that? You know, why did you do that? This man didn't say a word to him. And after a while, he just used his feet in the dirt, just did a cross sign. Just did a cross sign like that. Indicating that he was a Christian. And he took care of him. And so this man, this campaign manager who did the eulogy on the platform, just did that sign in front of everyone. And um, I believe he's a, he's a real brother. He was an Episcopalian then because of his wife, Cindy, who belonged to a Southern Baptist. For many, many years since he returned and married, he had belonged to that Baptist church. Now, this is a little bit aside, and I'm not here to talk about John McCain. <laughs> what I want to tell you is that he epitomized, in a way, that spirit of public service. Number one, in uniform, and number two, later on, as an elected official. He was in congressman and then in Senate for years and years and years. Well, dear saints, you are only noble when you transcend your own needs or living a life just meeting your own needs. And here's a man in that earthly realm transcended that and became a public servant. That serving of humanity, that serving of his fellow citizens, that service of his country ennobled him and made him a great person. And I have to believe he found great meaning, great purpose every day he wakes up because of that. Now, we're not talking about that. We are not in the political realm. We're not in that kind of a, you know, earthly realm. 
we're in the heavenly realm. But I would like to tell you, it is the same and even more. I like to call a whole new generation of working saints to rise up and live a life that goes beyond just being good and uh, being proper and being okay, but to live a life that will take care of God and take care of God's people. To meet the need of Christ and to meet the need of his body, the church. I want to tell you and testify, others can testify as well, from the, the time when we set foot in the church life, this vision, has, this vision captured us. In fact, it actually wrecked us, wrecked us. So that decade after decade, we're still here, not because we're better or we're stronger, but we're motivated by something. We're burdened by something more than ourselves, more than our families, more than our spirituality. more than a proper, orderly church life. We need a generation of saints that will serve, that will live for something higher, for God's purpose, for Christ and the church, for the kingdom, for the Lord's return. These things are not just, you know what I mean, just slogans and kind of easy, come, easy, go uh, uh, words that we just throw around in the church life. If it's not because of saints living in this way, there would be no recovery today. So, um, I speak honestly, I speak openly, uh, I speak with, much, speak with much burden to appeal to all the brothers and sisters, Generation X, people who are now in their 50s, Generation Y, the so-called millennials, and up-and-coming up Generation Z, that's the post-millennials. These are the young people, the kids that are coming up now. I hope that the Lord's vision, the vision of the Lord's recovery and the Lord's need would burn within us, would, would be a fire lit 
in us that never goes out. Today, let me tell you, the world is looking still for meaning. There's these techies in San Francisco, in the Bay Area. You know, when you sign on, you get a, some immediately get a six-figure signing bonus. How about that? It's not even salary. It's signing bonus. Six-figure. And they do everything, you know, have good family life, this, that, and the other. It's good. It's okay. But I will tell you, in the end, that still would give you, not give us the full sense of meaning and purpose. So something like uh, John McCain's uh, passing brings us into focus. And I hope Americans, especially young Americans, would at least take note of that in that realm, and that realm. Um, you have this great Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, who just died, am I right? They just finished a whole few days of memorial or concert or whatever they have in Detroit. That is another kind of looking for meaning, looking for purpose. There's a lot of eulogies there that say it transcends her songs. You know, she was supportive of the civil rights movement, this and that, something higher. There's something within man that seek that. So I'm not here preaching the gospel, <laughs> but brothers and sisters, I have to, I'd like to pass on that burden to you. Um, I believe many of you are living that way already. Thank the Lord for this. Thank the Lord for this. But if there should be thousands, tens of thousands of brothers and sisters coming, up and coming, in the churches, who really, really see this vision and would live this way, then I say the Lord's recovery is okay. What we anticipate as a new season in his move, will come about. All right, I'll just rest my case there. Now, there is a um, question. So we'd like to spend the next part of this time yeah. uh, opening it up for a question and response. We did receive a few questions via email, so maybe we'll start by addressing those, and then if any uh, or if you still would like to submit one, I have my phone here. You can still email me at the address on the board. And then after we've gotten through these questions, if anyone in the audience has a question they'd like to ask, uh, we'll pass the mic around. So 
This is the first question that was received uh, via email. It seems that more and more of the young adults and young people in the church life struggle with depression. For some, it is debilitating, preventing them from attending the meetings, being with the saints, and even going on humanly. Many are stalled in life, unable to hold down a job or continue in school. I am close to several who are not meeting for this reason and who are often suicidal. Do you have any fellowship regarding how to care for the young adults and young people in this situation? Well, I can spend the rest of the afternoon on this question, which I won't. Um, but just incidentally, uh, just in the, this last week, I was addressing this a similar matter uh, with some saints, younger saints. It is true, um, according to statistics, according to current surveys, that the, current gener the present generation, I speak particularly referring to the millennial generation. And I have to believe Generation Z would not be better. And if anything, it would be worse. And that is, today, um, it is um, uh, confirmed by real data everywhere especially in college campuses. They, the health centers in major colleges or just colleges is now inundated by young people uh, going to seeking help um, uh, for these things. You know, you go around and around is these things. It's number one, depression. And number two, anxiety, anxiety. And then uh, what else? Um, hmm? Addiction. Huh? Addiction, yes, but not as uh, prevailing. I mean, I'm going to say something about that. I mean, prevalent, shall we say. Um, now, this is not a kind of disease or anything, but these are also symptoms of extreme loneliness. You know, supposedly this thing uh, in our hand is to connect all of us. The fact that it is the, quite the opposite, people are getting more, young people are feeling more and more isolated and disconnected. Um, and of course, uh, suicidal thoughts are not uncommon anymore. It is actually rather common. And in fact, suicides, actual suicides among young people is, has risen in an alarming rate. I mean, everything, every school from Harvard all the way down, okay? You think you hit Harvard, you hit the jackpot. No. MIT, Harvard, the same thing. And so, this is proven, a lot of studies have been done, and, um, and this is not just out there, so to speak, but even us in the Lord's recovery in the church life, we're seeing more and more of this. Even in the training, the full-time training in the church life. So we cannot turn our back on that, we cannot stick our head in the sand, this is for real.
Something is going on to cause these various types of mental and emotional disorders. Now, of course, there's a whole range to them, from mild to extreme. Um, and there are also many other factors at play, um, um, from um, you know, um, the brain activity to um, genetics, to uh, the home life that they had, right? Uh, to uh, many, many things. These, and I'm no, no, no psychologist. I'm no, um, so I'm not here to explain them to you. But I'm saying all these things are intertwined and they're all at work. The point is this, that today, that this is an epidemic. Some people say this is a phase. I would like to tell you it's not a phase, it's an epidemic. Much like today, the, there's an opiate, opiate epidemic, right? Uh, in certain states, including Ohio, it's a big one. Uh, in another state, there's another kind of drug. And it has reached that, those kind of proportions. Now, we're not here to go and save the world that's not what the question is about. It's about our own saints. It's about our own brothers and sisters, the younger ones, and so on. What can we do? How do we help them? Well, again, I'm no, not a trained professional. I cannot tell you. But from my just shepherding and care of multiple cases and situations, uh, you realize that there are many, many factors, all right? And certainly, certainly, in many cases, there needs to be professional treatment and therapy. I'm not here trying to promote that, so don't take me like that, okay? But I am telling you, just like if your body is sick, your physical body is sick, you need to see a doctor to treat your body. And a lot of these things in the mind are disease of the mind, of the uh, of the of the psyche, of uh, it's psychological. So you, for certain people, you need to that kind of a help. It's much like seeing a doctor. Um, and so we should not uh, uh, look upon these things lightly and kind of dismiss them. I just use some spiritual words to just kind of send the people away, we should not do that. We need some saints who are uh, more mature, more experienced, um, to have fellowship or to um, 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 have contact with brothers and sisters like that if they're open. And in a... Um, um, educated way, uh, uh, in a responsible way, we should um, refer them or encourage them to seek the proper help that they need. Um, certainly in my own arena, in my service, in my shepherding, um, I have seen this, this uh, trend. 
In the 60s, uh, in that tumultuous year that I talked about, where drug, the drug culture has become really strong in, that, in those years, and um, uh, immorality, fornication, just, just basically broke loose in the 60s, the sexual revolution and things like that. And in those years, uh, there were people like the hippies and you know, all this kind of stuff. And uh, Witness Lee um, gave a very, uh, a particular training uh, because he saw many young people just freshly coming in. Um, and that is um, in the year uh, 1972. 1972. I was there. And it was a spring informal training. And today, all you can find these messages, and I strongly recommend that book to you. And that book is called Christ as Reality. And it is a book on the five main offerings in Leviticus. It turns out that the majority of that book is devoted only to one offering, and that is the meal offering. And you recall the meal offering is a type of the humanity of Christ, the uplifted and rich and proper humanity of Jesus that we all need. But in one message there, he touched the condition of society of the young people at that time. And he identified three main problems. And that is number one, fornication. Number two, suicide. This is in the 60s. And number three, uh, in that time, just, uh, I'll just use the description at that time, um, mental cases. That, that's the word that was used, mental case. And uh, Brother Lee spoke about all these things that began to really plague that young generation uh, with the burden to help the young people in the church life to experience Christ's humanity. And so um, that's a classic message, by the way. And I think that message title is The Humanity of Jesus and Spiritual Warfare. I think that is the title of that message. And you do well to go and read that. Now, i like to say something here. I'm taking too long to just answer one question. But i like to just say something quick here. I find that today, uh, besides people with true clinical depression and something sort of really serious and requires treatment or medication and so on, there's another kind of depression. I call it low-grade depression like a low-grade fever. You're not 110, 115. You're about 199.5. You're really not sick, but you're perpetually having this low-grade fever. And it begins to impact the way you live, the way you think, the way you behave, because you're constantly depressed. <laughs> you see? And 
These are not things that, you know, today people just pills, 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 right? Many of these things are, are not in that realm. Um, now, I like to say something here. You may laugh at me, but I want to just say it. You know, the Bible, New Testament, tells us that we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. It says we need to be renewed in our mind in order to be transformed. Our mind is the leading part of our psychology. And so there's something about the spirit, the Lord's spirit, the spirit of life, when it's operative, will what? Will invade our mind, so to speak. And what? With its life, renew it. Do you not believe that? Is it just, just some truth or is it real? Do you believe in transformation? Do you believe our mind can be renewed? Um, do you believe our soul can be transformed? We believe that. And this is entirely a work of the spirit, the transforming spirit of life that can give life even to our soul. And I would like to say today that a lot of this, so what I call low-grade depression, <laughs> can be overcome Amen. by the Spirit. Amen. By the Spirit. Then you say, how? How? Well, I'll tell you, that Spirit of life today, that transforming Spirit, that healing Spirit, and that life-giving Spirit is in our Spirit. Am I right? one with our spirit. So today, there's no magic to it. We need to what? We need to experience that spirit. We need to use our mingled spirit. We need to spend time with the spirit. We need to be filled in the spirit. And that spirit will what? Will work in our soul, in our heart, in our mind to do a work of permeation, of saturation, of metabolic, am I right? Yes. Renewal, and even to transform our mind, to heal our mind. So I like to say that uh, to the questioner and to us, dear brothers and sisters, I feel we need more exercise of our spirit. Amen. And I don't throw that out because that is a, you know, just some uh, a convenient term, you know. Okay, go exercise the spirit. You'll be okay. I don't say it in that way. I say this with a lot of consideration. When I say uh, exercise the spirit, I particularly mean not just groaning, although groaning is in the Bible, and... I don't even mean just prayer. Because I've seen some saints, the more they pray, the, the more depressed they become. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I look at some saints, the way they pray, I almost want to go up and tell them, stop it. Because you're, you're getting more and more depressed. Because they're praying in their mind. They're not touching their spirit. And that, you can get you more and more depressed. So, in these days, the two things that I'm a strong advocate of, 
Number one, singing. Number two, praising. You say, whoa, I don't need to go to some therapist. I can just sing and praise. I don't know, but I would like to say, maybe. (laughs) You know, the people in the world, if you take away music, I tell you, we'll see floods of people in the mental hospital. Trust me. Trust me. Yeah. And I don't mean that only in the way of diversion or some entertainment. You know what I mean. Brothers and sisters, I, about me, you know, that's why I love to write songs. That's my, my therapy, okay? My daily therapy. Dear saints, sing to the Lord. I tell you, the Lord is the source of joy. He is the best antidepressant. He is. In Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Didn't it say that? The joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, a depressed person is a person that has no strength. No strength because they are down. They're on a downer. And so, but the joy of the Lord. And look. The fruit of the Spirit, the third thing, the first thing is love, the second is peace, the third thing is what? Is joy. How about the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. What is it? It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In Acts 13, it says the disciples left, walk walk away with what? With being filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Joy and the Spirit are synonymous. Dear brothers and sisters, we need to enjoy the Lord. We need to enjoy Christ. We need to get out of ourselves. We need to get out, soar from our depressed state. I'm going to talk about, starting to talk about Jubilee tonight. You know what Jubilee says? It says to send away the oppressed. Oppress, you know, depress, oppress, suppress. All these are the things that even the enemy would be doing to the present society. Especially the young people. Especially the young people. Now, I said already, there are definite clinical cases that need professional help. So I'm not here just crazily saying, uh, just sing a lot, right? I'm talking about the low-grade type. Friends, this is sing more. I'd like to challenge the churches in Midwest, sing more. Sing. Brothers and sisters, sing. And sing, you will be happy. Right? Sing, you'll be filled with joy of the divine kind. And not only sing, I would like to say praise. How about praise the Lord? Huh? How, you, I think some of us just pray and, and just pray and just pray. But I'll tell you, victory is when you start to praise. I, I, 
I'd like to come here next time because I already prepared six messages on praising. I'm going to talk to you about praising. How utterly important it is in our worship to God. And in God's, even God's economy. And in those early days, we praise the Lord. You know, we will sing to the Lord, right? Right? We were just singing and praising. So, too, too long of an answer. Brothers and sisters. I, I come to the meeting, church meeting. I look at the first row, second row. I see many saints just put on their, I call it game face. A church life game face. Like, I don't know, I can describe it. It's not a smile for sure. <laughs> they, they, they suddenly put on this meeting game face to look spiritual or to look like they're serious. I, I don't know what it is. And absolutely unhappy. Why are we doing that? You know, the word says we should come to the house with what? With singing, with praising, even with some dancing. Am I right? Brothers, have you danced to the meeting? I tell you, if, if today some saints come in and sing and dance, and the, the, some of the elders will be, will be like this. What, what's wrong with you? We don't do that. You're supposed to be very serious and sad. And, and, and. <laughs> Brothers, even in our church life, we're short of singing. Amen. We're short of praising. Amen. We're short of joy. And that's why our, our, even our testimony is so, not so impactful. Who likes to hang with unhappy people? Raise your hand in this room. You just love to be with unhappy people. Who likes to associate with joyful people? Uh, yeah. Am I right? Am I right? It's contagious. Well, sadness is also contagious. Now, you may think I'm making light of things. I'm here just, oh, just crazy. Well, I want to tell you no. I want to tell you no. I'd like you to read those six outlines on praising. It's not a joke. It's not some lighthearted this and that. I tell you, praising the Lord is the greatest thing in this universe. The greatest worship we can render to God. And the greatest source of joy. And celebration and exaltation. And all this will do something to lift us out of this kind of low-grade fever and depression. When we touch the living spirit of Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's do that. Let's do that. All right? Sister, do that. Or whoever wrote that question. Okay. okay. This next question is in three parts. What is your burden? (laughs) What is your burden regarding young working sisters, especially those with children? With jobs becoming increasingly demanding, 
What fellowship, if any, do you have for sisters who desire to be proper, useful, and consecrated and are working full time, not because of a financial need, but more for a human need? Lastly, in light of testimonies shared by older saints who had dropped everything to serve full time or migrate without a job lined up in the earlier days of the Lord's recovery and lived in a much simpler way, where is the line between being practical or adapting to the demands of this age today? more brick, less straw, and being lukewarm? I think it's one of those questions where the answers are already there to me, if you read between the lines. Um, first of all, concerning sisters, I like to tell you there's nothing I respect more than women, females, mothers, that would devote their life to raise a child. They are ordained by the Lord to do this. They're made to do this. And this is their responsibility. Um, there are two most noble professions to, to me, from my perspective. One is a mother. The other is a teacher because entire lives depend on them and how this society will become depends on them. I'm not saying fathers are not important. I'm not saying other people are not important. So the first thing I would say is this, that, and this is not any kind of truth or any kind of I don't want to get into any kind of debate and argument, different philosophy, you know. I don't want to go there. But I would like to say that, first of all, um, to, for sisters to devote themselves to raise their children um, in the best way is, is needful. Is needful. I don't need to tell you how today there are absentee parents and and so on and so forth, that cause the children not to grow up in a proper kind of a way. Now, um, this is obviously a huge big subject, huge big subject. Um, the Lord covered me to say this, and uh, this is not taped, I hope this is not taped. Um, um, you know, Well, I better not say it. Okay, let me just say it generically. Say there's a sister. Went to law school. Got her, her JD, all right? I mean, really. Then she got married. Couple of kids, three kids, whatever. Um, I tell you, the first obligation of this sister before God and before man it's not to build a successful legal career. Absolutely not. I'm not against sisters getting degrees. I'm not against sisters accomplishing. I'm not some old-fashioned, you know what I mean. Um, um, sexist person. I'm not that way. But 
I do want to say this word to our dear sisters, and that is, especially the young ones, um, mothers, that this is the God, or that this is God's ordination. And you, by the Lord's mercy and with help, should do your best, should do your best. I mean, these little minds, these little persons are yours, given to you, and you are to raise them up. Um, I, um, some sisters, you know, I've been, you've been watching these tapes on sisters' meetings, you know, that I, I gave. And recently, I, uh, I gave another message that is not in those lessons. I just have that burden. And I'm not finished with it. I'm going to give another word on that. And that's all based on Proverbs 31, last chapter, on the worthy woman. There's this passage on the worthy woman. And there it talks about a mother. The worthy woman is a mother, by the way. Raising a family. So in fulfillment, that metaphoric speaking has to do with, number one, a physical family, truly. But not only so, eventually the fulfillment of that metaphor should be even in the church life. That is, we need mothers in the church life. That will take care of many young people to raise them up. Either case, either case, I would like to say, sisters, uh, no matter what today's society is telling you, no matter even what the pressure you may be putting on yourself to achieve, to accomplish, to be somebody, to, be, to have your human capacity reached, you know, all of these things. I tell you, the first thing is to what? Is to sacrifice for your children, is to raise them up, is to take care of your family. Those other things are not wrong. It's not a matter of right and wrong. But it's first thing first. So I would say, do that. Do that. And not let that suffer. Not let that suffer. I think this person asked and say, you, you actually don't need to work. I think she said that. She just worked because of meeting some human needs, right? And that is not unreasonable. I'm not unreasonable. Um, you know, everyone, we're made with certain potential. And uh, we're happy when we fulfill those God-given potential. So I'm not against that. But I'm saying this time station in life that you have to take care of the important things. And many mothers and many women sacrifice that in order to take care of the family. And I celebrate that. Um, so that's all I can say. As far as the last question about the need is that right? The need for... Uh, being practical and what? Being lukewarm. Being lukewarm. Oh, that's a big question. I won't answer it now. Okay, what, how much time do we have? We have 15 minutes and seven 15 questions minutes. in the queue. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm not the Bible answer man, so <laughs> I don't claim to be. I'm so... Um, Give, uh, you, you, you take it or leave it. 
but I do have a burden. I do have a deep burden. Yeah, so. Next question. There is such a need for young couples in the small localities to help minister to the young and college-age yeah. saints. How yeah. can we make this need known? Well, this weekend I'm going to make this known. Um, we're going to um, even touch many matters, including the matter of the needs. You see, brothers, we cannot talk, sisters, we cannot talk about this, these burdens, without touching the matter that I address first this afternoon. And that is we all, whether we live or die, we live to him and we die to him. Because we have judged that since he had died for us by his constraining love, that we cannot live to anything else but to him and to his need. So, brothers and sisters, without that heart, without that decision, without that consecration, none of this will work. I can tell you all day long, go migrate, go this place has a need, that place has a need. It won't, it won't, it won't work that way. But only when you and I all resolve, resolve to live to the Lord. The definition of a full-timer is a person who lives to the Lord, whether they have a job or not. Then we can talk about this. But we need occasions like conferences like this and other situations to, uh, to speak concerning this need. Um, um, uh, hopefully that the Brun sisters will, will pick it up. You know, right now in Germany, because of our speaking and sharing to the Brun sisters, uh, a lot of saints have actually migrated to Germany um, from here, from the U.S. So we will continue to share that burden. The next two questions are similar. Uh, they were submitted by two different people, but, in t uh, but for the sake of time, I hope uh, it will be okay with those who submit these questions if I read them at the same time. But the first one, I am a young adult and work in an environment where there is a lot of contact with attractive members of the opposite gender. It's hard to keep my heart pure for the Lord. Deep down, I want to one day get married to someone who is strong and in the church life and who the Lord has ordained for me. How can I keep my heart guarded and only how can I keep my heart guarded and only for the Lord when I work closely and so often with colleagues who are attractive members of the opposite sex? Many of these colleagues are atheists, but there is still so much natural attraction to them. Do I need to change my job and get one where I will almost always be working closely with only people of my own gender? And the second question. I am a 30-year-old single sister and have been turned down by multiple brothers. They won't meet with me, or they say they aren't ready for marriage even though they are over 30 years old. I've given my 20s to the Lord and have migrated to a small locality for the Lord's purpose. Is it possible that the Lord has ordained me not to marry? Should I stop entertaining the thought of marriage? Well, um, this is another very, very big uh, matter that I don't think it's actually, we have time nor is it appropriate for us to address this. Um, uh, it's more particularly have to do with the sisters. And along with others, I will tell you, we are very, very cognizant of this need uh, and this burden in the churches today. And that is many sisters uh, unable to be married for those 
some of the reasons. And, but it is a big matter that needs to be properly covered or adequately covered because there's no short, simple answers to this, to this one. So uh, I'd rather demur, not because I'm afraid of this, not because I don't think this is the case. This is the case. And uh, my wife and I, I think others, we spend too, too much time, uh, I wouldn't say ministering, but serving in this matter. Uh, yeah, we're very, very burdened, especially for many sisters, brothers as well, but especially sisters, because it's harder for the sisters to take the lead in this matter or to initiate something in this matter. So it is a great, great need. And I have a lot to say to brothers, to single brothers on this point. Um, um, so I, I would just leave it at that. Yeah, sorry, I'll just leave it at that. As one who is burning in spirit and wanting to give myself, but with all the problems in the world, where should we start? The training, FTTMA? Well, it depends on your age. Not everyone can go to the training um, because of the environment and the situation. But I like to tell you, I, I would just make a pitch right now. I will tell you that the, uh, both the FTTA and the MA, what we call MA is the Middle Age Training, are very, very beneficiary for the right brothers and sisters. And of course, FTTA is for college grads and MA are for those who are not, you know, those who are older. And um, I'm in involved with both, so I can say something. And that is, um, like I say this morning, um, uh, or when, um, that the recovery would not be the same without this full-time training. Um, Many, many young people from the ranks of the church kids and all of this have really, really benefited from that training. And the recovery has benefited from their going to the training. And today, many, uh, they, they may be just working and serving and mothering and, and all these things. But because of the help they receive and the constitution that they have, they now can be of use and function in the churches. I like to see more of that. Um, um, and um, it is a great thing to have the training and it is a great thing for our young people, our children, to be encouraged to go to the training. I certainly, certainly, strongly uh, promote that. Middle age training is for saints who did not have a chance to go to the full-time training. They passed the age of 35, I think, is the, is the age. And so the middle age training is there. And over the years, we have also hundreds and hundreds of saints that have been through that, that have received help, and now are very useful in the latter stages of their life. And so uh, it's also something that I would strongly promote as well. This term, our number dropped. For a number of terms, in fall term, we were about 340. Uh, no, more than that, uh, uh, 380, we were up to that. This year's enrollment, or this fall's enrollment, we dropped by about 15%. We don't know why, but there's a drop. So um, uh, 
brothers and sisters, even you have small children, I would say prepare them in, in, a, in a good way to, to follow the Lord and to go to the training. Now, I'm not saying this training is a magical place, it solves all problems, and it will turn, turn you into an angel or something. I'm not saying that, but I tell you, it is a great, great thing that we have this in the recovery today. All right, I think time is, what time is it? Huh? Five minutes left, oh Lord. Okay, what, what do you have? I am a sister working full-time with two school-age boys. I have a burden for the college students and a couple high school sisters. How do I get released to serve more without feeling like I am sacrificing my care for my children? Well, it's called balance. We all have to find that lineup, that, that balance. And don't compare, you know, uh, they do this. I, no, every one of us is different. Our, our family situation is different. Our kids are different. We are different. So don't compare. But you have to find that balance um, between the two to take care of your children and to take care of the church life, opening your homes and so on. Um, but I will tell you, I certainly have the experience with my wife. Um, we've been, since we married, we became partners, you know, partners in serving the Lord, partners in opening our home, partners in caring for college age, partners for shepherding. All these um, are now, um, um, this is our uh, um, 43rd year, uh, me and my wife. And we've been through the stages and the stations, you know, you know, all of that. And I can tell you, testify to you, God is gracious. And even in the difficult patches and all kinds of things happen, we, we still continue by his mercy to serve as much as we can here and there. And uh, I will only tell the sister, uh, uh, while you have to take care of your children, do not forget to serve the saints. Do not forget to serve the Lord. Open your homes, cook, uh, feed the young people. Um, but still, you need to take care of balance so you don't get a burnout, so-called burnout. Um, and I think you can accomplish that, you know, with heart and, of course, with good fellowship with your husband and, and, uh, and so on. All right? Okay, saints, I'm, you've been hearing me talking here, and uh, uh, I hope it's okay. Um, shall we stop here? Amen. Come back tonight early and sing. Amen. That song you learn, okay? All right, thank you.